Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. So, um, you know, I love Christmas and you can turn to Matthew 2. Uh, Many of you will read the Luke story. Many of you read the Matthew story about Christmas uh, with your families uh, coming up. And, and I love Christmas. The thing that I'm challenged with, honestly, though, is gift giving, buying and giving. And so it just stresses me out. There's too many options, too many choices, which is why I wait till Christmas Eve. There's less options, less choices. It's just easier, right? You pick the thing nobody else wanted to pick. It's just a few things there. And so it's easier for me. But uh, anyway, so there's a lot of things. How many of you have not finished your Christmas shopping yet? Wow, and you're raising your hand. God bless you. You're a brave person right there, the one next to you. Okay, so let me ask you another question. How many of you haven't finished your shopping yet because you have someone in your life that you just can't seem to find the right gift? Maybe they have everything or you just, it's just hard. I just don't know what to get them. They have anything they could want. How many there? Okay, a lot of people still raise their hand. I'm surprised right there on that one too. But anyway, so, you know, this whole thing about gift giving and stuff is a lot of what we associate Christmas with. And I think that's not a bad thing. God's the giver, amen. And so we got to keep things in the right perspective. Um, You know, it's interesting to me when it comes to gift giving, my family, we have a different way of doing things. Uh, From the time we were kids, my brother, uh, Jeff, and my sister, Amy, and I made a pact. You don't get me anything, I don't get you anything. Deal, right? Don't spend money on me, I don't have to spend money on you. And so we do that now, even that we're married and we have kids. And the reason why is because I have two kids and Jeff has six and Amy has five. So I just, that was, yeah. I took it easy on grandma and grandpa. I'm just letting you know that right now, mom. I took it easy on you. You can, you can bless me the six and five for my two, right? Okay, so anyway, so it's just different for everybody for sure, but we, we love the gift giving and stuff. And so I was thinking about that and, and really what we're celebrating. If you have to ask Christians what what Christmas is really all about, and we'll say a lot of different things. Uh, the birth of our Savior, uh, Jesus, um, and, and those things are true and, and appropriate. Um, but some Christians celebrate this time as Jesus' birthday, which again is appropriate. We, we, happy birthday, Jesus. Our children will do that, and maybe even at schools or in the children's church. Happy birthday, Jesus. We celebrate that. How many of you have a Christmas birthday? How many have your birthday on Christmas Day? Anybody in here? Anybody Christmas Day? How about a couple days before, a couple days after? All right, a lot of hands went up. Do you ever feel like you miss your birthday? It's all, you know, you want it different. It's all packaged together. Well, how, what about this? Wouldn't it be interesting if it, we, if it were your birthday and everyone else got presents except for you, right? I mean, that's really what Christmas is in a sense, is it not? I mean, it is the birth of Jesus is what we celebrate and acknowledge it to be. And everyone gets gifts, maybe except for Jesus. And so in honor of the birth of Jesus, we should give something to him. The question is, what do you give the son of God? I mean, talk about something that, someone that has everything. They could, you know, has everything. I mean, the Bible says he owns everything. He owns us. So I'm gonna ask you this question, or let me ask it this way. What is the one gift Jesus wants from you that only you can give? And they'll, they'll put that on the screen for me, but what is the one gift that Jesus wants from you that only you can give? Now think about that for a moment. And I think it's a great question. And really, I'm gonna give you what I believe to be the answer. I believe the answer to this question is your worship. I believe it's your worship. Now, now a lot of us will say, well, my life, and, and that's true, and we're gonna define that a little bit as we go into the message, but understand some people, let's just be honest, some people wanna receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, so they know then that they're headed for heaven, but then that's about all that it is. And I don't think that even Jesus is necessarily looking just for that. I mean, he wants everyone, God's desire that none should perish, but all should have everlasting life. But the moment we become saved then, I believe that the gift, and we'll see in just a moment, that he wants from you and I, the appropriate gift from every believer then is a life of worship, a lifestyle of worship. 
not just getting our, our, our ticket to heaven punched, but then we live a life of worship. And we're going to take a look in the scripture and see an example of this. In Matthew 2, 1 and 2, let me read that for you. Matthew 2, 1 and 2. It says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when we rose, when it rose rather, and have come to, help me with the last two words, we've come to worship him. See, right here we even see in the scripture that kings from afar came to give a gift of worship to the newborn king. Now, tradition has a lot to say about the story. And in tradition, if you know the story or sing the songs, we talk about we three kings or three wise men. And it doesn't necessarily say, one translation, the King James says we three kings or three, it doesn't say three kings, it says kings. Now we put a number on that because it says they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but it doesn't mean that each one had that one gift. There could be 30 of them. And, and, and when you look at the scripture, it could, some might deter, interpret it as to be wise men, some kings, some magi. In fact, if it was magi, if you study that out, magi travel in groups of 12. So, but tradition would say, as we know it to be three, but nonetheless, the reason why they came, they did come bearing gifts, but they came to worship him, worship the newborn king. And, and it says it came from a, a long way away, just a long journey, but it says they came to bow down and worship. And I love that picture. I love that picture of kings coming to worship the newborn king. And they came a long way to do that. Now, when I say worship to us, worship will mean a lot of things. Mostly worship will mean just songs that we sing. Like we sing a fast song or two, that's praise. And we sing some slow ones, that's worship. And that's just kind of what we see and feel it to be. It's worship. But let's take a look at the biblical definition of worship. Help us understand what's happening here a little bit better. It's really more than singing. The Greek word translated worship is proskuneo. And I'll put it on the screen for you. Those note takers, you want to write that down. Proskuneo. And it literally means, you can see it here, to bow down or kneel, to fall flat, to do reverence, to adore, or to worship to do reverence, to adore, to worship, to bow down, kneel, or fall flat. So these kings traveled a long way and most likely got down at least on their knees or maybe even laid flat on the ground to worship the Christ child. That's pretty amazing to me, however many kings there were, that they would come following a star, finding the birth of the king, Jesus, and bowing down and laying before him. Christmas is always really busy. I mean, lots of things going on in our lives for sure. And chances are you've not had time to be able to really make time to worship Christ. And again, I'm not necessarily talking about in our service, but just with your life. But I wanna help us this morning refocus, recenter everything. And I'm gonna give you three different opportunities within the message to worship during this message, to bring a gift of worship during this message. And when we sing these songs, as as these guys are gonna lead us in just a moment, I'm asking you to sing out Sing out your gift. Sing out your gift to the King of kings and Lord of lords to worship him. And close your eyes maybe and just remember that you're bringing him a gift of worship. And there's really only one gift he desires from us and that's that we give him our worship. So let me give you three reasons to worship Jesus. So for bringing a gift of worship, let me give you three reasons why we worship Jesus. Number one, we worship Jesus for who he is. Who he is. Matthew 1, 21 through 23 says this. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. 
The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We worship him for who he is. Who is he? He is God with us. Now this is an unbelievable statement and I said this two weeks ago. And in fact, it really is heresy that day because they knew their Old Testament writings and in the Old Testament that God didn't come in his presence and if he did, people would perish. I mean, you couldn't stand in the presence of God and not live. I mean, it was very clear throughout the Old Testament writings and scripture. So this idea that Matthew's writing about who is he, he's God with us, is almost heresy. It's unbelievable. And they would know that in the Old Testament, Moses desired to see God and he asked God, God, I want to see you. And God said, you can't handle my presence. It will destroy you. And so Moses said, I, I, more than anything, I long to see you. And so God put Moses in the cleft of a rock, the Bible says, and Moses hid his face. And as God passed by, Moses was only able to look at just the end passing by, and it still transformed him because of the power of the presence of God. And in the writings in Isaiah, Isaiah himself said, I had a dream, and I was standing in heaven in the presence of the Lord. And it was so overwhelming in his presence. He was high and lifted up. And it says, I am a man that's undone. I'm a man that's unclean. It exposed everything about me because God is so holy and God is so pure and God is so powerful, his presence. Then in his presence, I'm undone. I'm unraveled. I'm unclean. Take a coal, cleanse my lip. Because he knew in the presence of God, it just undid everything he was and who he was. And then in the, in the tabernacle and then in the temple when the high priest would go once a year and offer sacrifices on behalf of the nation of Israel for forgiveness of sin, they would tie a rope around his leg and put bells on him. And if he didn't do the things he was supposed to do to make sure that he was cleansed and, and before the Lord and as he entered into the holy place in the presence of God, if he hadn't done what he was supposed to, he would drop dead. And when they stopped hearing those bells ring, they would yank him out by the rope. Not a lot of people standing in line for that job, by the way, just, you know. All right, because you couldn't stand in the presence of the Lord until this moment. And so Matthew's saying he is God with us. He came to be God with us. So we worship him for who he is. Emmanuel, God with us, let me tell you who he is. In John 10, Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the gate through which we enter. Jesus says, he's the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. Who is he? In John 6, Jesus says, he's the bread of life and the living water. He says, whoever comes to me will never hunger again, and whoever believes in me will never thirst, but will be satisfied. Who is he? In Revelation, he says, he is the alpha and omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. In Revelation, he says, he is the lion and the lamb. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world. Who is he? He is Emmanuel, God with us. We worship him for who he is. Amen. So so we're going to bring a gift right now of worship. The only gift that Jesus wants from you that only you can bring. So let's worship him for who he is, Emmanuel, God with us.
worship him for who he is. For who he is. He is God with us. He is God with us. We need to bring a gift of worship to the King of kings and Lord of lords. We need to worship him for who he is. And we're going to worship Jesus for what he has done. We worship him for what he has done. What has he done? 2 Timothy 1, 9 through 10 says this. He has saved us, amen, and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He has destroyed death and brought life and light through the gospel. Amen? What has he done? He has destroyed death. We worship him for what he has done. And now maybe you would say this morning that Jesus really hasn't done anything. I don't feel like he's really done anything for me. And I would say, well then, maybe you don't really know him. Maybe you know of him, or maybe you know about him, but maybe you don't really know him because there's a difference. Because if you know him, he's done more than you could ever imagine. See, many people know about Jesus but don't know him. They know about him in their head, but not in their heart. And if they don't know him in their heart, then they miss the power of his message. You know, I met somebody the other day, I was uh, doing some, running some errands and I had a chance to stop and talk to a guy. He says, are you the pastor of the Tree of Life? And, and I thought, maybe? <laughs> and I said, yes, I am. And he said, I got a question for you. I said, okay. And he goes, it's a hard question. No one's been able to ever answer this question. And I said, I'm sorry, did you say the pastor of Tree of Life? Oh, it's Oakwood. I'm just, I'm just kidding. And so he asked a question. I answered it as best I could. And so he said, thank you. And then he said, I got another question for you. I said, hold on there. If you're asking me more questions, I'm going to take up an offering. And so he asked another question and we did the best we could on that one. And, but as he began to talk, I said, well, do you go to church? And he goes, well, my wife and I are living out our testimony, which I understand that. And, and he said, you know, but I'm a good person and I've done good things and we treat people well and we're nice and we're kind and we do things. And I could see that in him. I mean, I could, would agree with that then, the little I know him. And I thought the whole time that we were talking and I said this at the end, I said, you know what? I said, just doing good things. I said, and even just going to church doesn't get you to heaven. You got to know him as Lord and Savior. You've got to know him as Lord and Savior for what he's done. And there's too many people in churches across America and around the world that know who he is but don't know him as Lord and Savior. You know, Wednesday night, I preached a message Wednesday night. I'd encourage you to get it or go online and watch it. And we're talking about how so many people today in our world, Christians, live like Jesus is still baby Jesus lying in the manger instead of Christ the Lord. And that's who he came to be. He came to be Christ the Lord, the Bible says, not just the baby in the manger. So don't live like he's the baby in the manger. Live like he's Christ the Lord. Know him for who he is. Know him for what he has done. We talked about with that man, just the idea of it's not a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge, speaking to relationship. See, people that have that relationship would say, you know, I, I was one person one day, and all of a sudden, then I knew him in my heart of, of, as Lord and Savior, and then I was a completely different person. My life has changed completely. When I trusted in him uh, with all my heart, I was a different person the next day. And people that trust with all their heart know him as forgiver, as redeemer, as healer, as restorer of the brokenhearted, as the one who suffered and died for us. See, people involved in all kinds of sin know him as the one who forgave them and changed them. And know him for what he has done. He has forgiven them for things they don't want ever anybody else to ever find out. 
but Jesus knows and still loves them yet the same. Oh, if you know him, then we have so much to be thankful for, so much to worship him for, if you really truly know him. Have you been one way before and then all of a sudden you're one way and all of a sudden you know Jesus is Lord and Savior and all of a sudden your life has changed forever and then over time you run across people that you used to know and they look at you and they say, hey, you're not like you were before. You're different. And you say, I am. I've been changed and transformed by the power of God. I know him as Lord and Savior. I'm not like I was before. They should see a change in us. So we should worship him for what he has done. When you, know you, when you know him like that, you have to worship him. We worship him for who he is, savior of the world, and we worship him for what he was done. I want to bring a gift of worship that only you can bring to him now for what he, was, what he has done. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope The weary world rejoices For yonder breaks A new and glorious morn Fall on your knees Oh, hear the angel Christ was born. 
Amen. Amen. We worship him for who he is, Emmanuel, God with us, and we worship him for what he has done. And I love, you know, we don't sing some of those verses sometimes when we sing the carols, but I love the one that says, he breaks the chains, chains and oppression ceases. It's what he's done. Amen. You need to know him that way. I, I believe Jesus wants a gift from us, and I believe it's our worship. We're going to worship him for who he is, and we're going to worship him for what he has done. And we're going to worship Jesus for what he will do, for what he will do. Now think about this for a minute, because this just stri- this is, strikes me as I know, very interesting, the idea that these kings, however many they are, and whoever they were, traveled great distance to get to the king of the Jews that was born. And, and they bowed down before him, a baby. Now think about that for a second. A baby, what had the king of the Jews that they're bowing down to done? Nothing but cry for mama probably, right? But yet these kings came and bowed down before him. I I love that idea. Think about what they were doing. They, they, at least as the scripture describes, got down on their knees, the the definition of worship, or laid before him. Think about your life. And many would say, I'd love to worship him for what he's doing in my life right now, but they're are some things that are going on that aren't that great. And honestly, I'm, I'm not that thankful for them. I, I wish they would change, and I don't understand why they haven't. And I would say then you need to worship him for the very, very same reason the kings did. They were worshiping him for what he will do. They were worshiping him forward in faith. They were worshiping him forward in faith for what he will do. We need to worship him forward in faith for what he will do. Whatever you're going through, worship him forward in faith for what he will do. See, Jesus lying there as a baby hadn't done anything, yet they came and they laid flat before him and worshiped the king for what he would do, what he would be, what he would become. What a great thing for us to do. But what can he do then? What can he do? Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, say immeasurably, more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Able to do immeasurably more that we could ask or imagine. See, some of you need to understand that and worship him forward for the immeasurably more that he can do. Some might say that my marriage is so bad and has been so bad for so long, I don't know if it could ever be good. And I would say to you, he can make it good. In fact, he can make it immeasurably more than you can imagine. So you worship him for what he will do. And some may say that Christmas is is just financially difficult. In fact, I I was going, I got my hair cut the other day and I was sitting there and there was a a, a dad with three boys in there and they were all getting their hair cut. And I asked the dad, I said, hey, are you ready for Christmas? And and he just said, he looked not really, it's too expensive. We just can't do all the things we wanna do. And and my heart just went out to him and feeling that pressure. And you might say this, that I'm upside down on things. I'm I'm buried in debt. And, And I would say this, then you need to worship him for what he will do because he will get you right side up and he can unbury you. He can do immeasurably more than you can imagine. And some of you, Christmas is difficult because you had a bad report perhaps, and maybe you're physically ill, or maybe someone you love is ill, you had a medical report, you don't know if this will be your last one, you're wrestling with all that, and I would say that you can worship him for who he is because he can heal you, or the one that you love, and he can do immeasurably more than what you can ask or think. You can worship him forward in faith. 
You can worship him forward in faith. And if he never does what you hope he will do, then you can always worship him for, for forward in faith because he's still a good God. Jeremiah 29, 11, you pass it every time you come in through the gathering place, says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You can worship him for because he is the one who plans to give you a hope and a future. He is a good God. I heard a pastor say this. He said this. This was an illustration, but I've experienced the same thing, so I want to say it this way. He was, he was being, uh, talking about when, uh, during Christmas, it, uh, all the family would gather, and we're going to gather at my mom's Christmas Eve and my wife's family Christmas Day, and we eat some of my favorite things. I love because I love the menu. I'll be honest with you. I love all the things that we're going to eat. And so he would say that they'd sit around, they'd eat all their favorite things, and, and we'd eat the ham, and we're going to eat the mashed potatoes, and we're going to eat the, the sweet potatoes with the brown sugar on them and the melted marshmallows that Sylvia makes, and we're gonna, she's going to now. And uh, so we, we love all that. We love all that. But he was talking about when he was a kid, and maybe you remember this as a kid, that then grandma would come around and pick up all the plates after everyone has eaten the meal, and she'd lean down, and she would tell you, keep the fork. Hey, remember that. Keep the fork. You want to hold on to that fork. And that was grandma code for, hey, you ain't seen nothing yet, right? What you ate, you thought that was good. The ham, the mashed potatoes, the gravy, the sweet potatoes, all that. You thought that was good. The best is yet to come. Now, I don't like pumpkin or pecan pie, but I'm here to tell you, there's nothing better than a hot apple pie coming out with a big old scoop of bluebell ice cream on it. Come on. And so you knew. It didn't matter how full you were, and you ate till you couldn't eat any longer. And, but when they said keep the fork, somehow you found some more room. You weren't going to miss that. Why? Because you knew the best was yet to come. And so we walk around life and we tell people, keep the faith, keep the faith. The best is yet to come. But I'm going to say, keep the fork. The best is yet to come. (laughs) Mom, you just know everything I want for Christmas Eve dinner then. Thank you. Keep the fork. The best is yet to come. You worship him for what he will do. Some of you need to worship him for who he is, for what he's done, for what he will do. We know this, he's a good God and the best is yet to come. Worship him forward in faith. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So let's bring him a gift of worship. Let's join our voices together and worship him for what he will do.
What is the one gift Jesus desires from us? The gift that only we can give is our worship. In view of who Christ is, in view of what he's done, and in view of what he will do, we bring him a gift. And really the gift is us. I am the gift, you are the gift that we bring him. It's more than worshiping him with a song. It's worshiping him with our lives. Everything we do is a gift to God. And as Pastor Ken said earlier, he's given us a gift of his life, but being here at time, the time that we have on this planet is to be lived with bringing him a gift that only we can bring our lives every single day, every opportunity. Romans 12, one says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper, what's the last word? Worship. True and proper worship is bringing our lives to him constantly. It's the gift that he wants the most, and it's the only gift that you can bring him. It's your life. Our life is to be lived as a life of worship. Everything we say, everything we do. I want to encourage you in that. This holiday season, this Christmas season, when you're with family and friends and you're gathered around dinner or you're gathered around the tree or you're traveling and you're seeing family, maybe some of them don't know the Lord, remember that you are are a worshiper of God and that your life is worship unto God. And every chance you get, bring him the gift of your life around other people. Why? So that they will know that there's a God in heaven that loves them. And that they will themselves at some point in time then be moved to receive the free gift that God has given mankind. And there in turn, well then, their life will be that gift back into the Lord. We have much to be thankful for. We have much to worship him for. So let's not forget during this season that it is his birthday. And so let's make sure anybody gets a gift, it's Jesus. And it's a gift of our lives. It's a gift of worship. He is a good and faithful God. Let's stand up. My hope, my heart in this message this morning is to find moments that we could simply just bring our lives as a gift of worship unto the Lord. And my prayer is that from this moment forward, you will continue to do that. And perhaps you've already been doing that. And also the desire is at this time, as it is every time, that those that do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior will receive the free gift of Jesus this morning. See, the greatest gift you could ever have in your lifetime is the gift of Jesus the Savior. God loved you so much that he gave the gift of Jesus, forgiveness of sin, hope for tomorrow, power to live out a victorious life, and then an eternity with him in heaven. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.